I'm Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And welcome to Not Your Token Black Girl, where we recover from spreading black girl magic wherever we go. From careers and cocktails to men and mental health, we're breaking it all down on what it means to wear the token crown. So if you've ever said, I'm not your token, fill in the blank, then this podcast is for you. A fun and witty show that's a little bit shady, but 100% true. It's Saturday brunch combo with the girls in a quick 20 minutes. Now let's get started. On today's episode of Not Your Token Black Girl, we pull together women from our tribe to discuss our experiences with race in America. You'll hear from our communications manager, Brianna, and her mother, Tammy. Brianna is biracial and her mother is white. Kayona, an Asian American business owner. Audra, a white social media and content strategist. Charity, a black woman working in politics. And AD, a Latina who is very active and passionate about the Black Lives Matter movement. The first question I'm going to toss out to Audra. Oh boy. (laughs) Do you believe all lives matter or do you believe black lives matter? Is one right or wrong? Um, it's, it's an interesting question because I have to defend this a lot. So, um, I think the rhetoric of saying all lives matter is not, um, I get why people would think to say it, but I don't agree with it. I think that, um, for me personally, I would say black lives matter. Um, but I, you know, again, I have to argue with people, but I think, In my personal opinion, I think that there's a lot of people that I work around that it's not, they're more ignorant because they haven't been around um, different cultures. So in their head, that it makes sense to them, but they've probably never met a black person in their life. So it's like, I can't, I guess I can't bridge the gap, but I can only explain how I feel, why I think that black lives matter. So yeah, interesting. Kayona, as an Asian American woman, what are your thoughts? Um, And I'll be honest, I really had to educate myself on this because I think we've had so many discussions. I even had a conversation with Kyle Rhodes, who's my business partner. He's yesterday about it. And for, I think for a lot of people, they don't understand, like when they hear Black Lives Matter, they think that, you know, it's, it's, it's stating that only Black Lives Matter. And it was recently that, um, so my sister's a huge advocate. And so she explained it to me, the whole you know, if your house is on fire and then somebody comes in and is like, well, all houses matter, you know, but no, it's my house that's burning down. So I've had to use that analogy this week with gosh, like I think over 10 people trying to, um, to explain it because I honestly didn't get it myself at first and I had to educate myself, but I think people just jump to this whole thing of like, oh, well, all lives matter. Um, but no, that's not the point. So, you know, for me, now that I understand it, obviously Black Lives Matter, and I get it now, but I'll be honest, I didn't get it before, and I had to educate myself, and I think that if if you don't have somebody that takes the time to explain it to you, it's easy to, you know, read it more into it than you should of what what it really means. Fair, fair. Um, Brianna, I know, has been um, very vocal um, on her social media platforms, trying to educate um, her followers on, you know, what's going on. As a biracial woman, um, Brianna, her mother is white, her father is black. Um, Talk to us about your experiences having, you know, your race stand into different corners, if you will, right? The, the narrative that we're seeing is um, black bodies being um, snuffed out by white officers. And so with you having half and half, how has this made you feel? Talk to us about the conversations that you've been having with your family and possibly even your own parents. Yeah, so it's been definitely a very interesting time. Um, growing up, it was, I received I was raised by my mom who was white and she remarried a white man. So I was raised by white parents and I was afforded their privileges of living in a predominantly white suburb and going to a predominantly white school and receiving those opportunities and the access to education. Um, so I had all of that, but I also walk out into the world as a person of color. And 
am treated as such. So it's an interesting space to be in, um, kind of getting both and not fully fitting into both. Um, And so with that, we also have been trying to use like our platform. My mom has a huge Facebook following to kind of educate (laughs) that side of our family and her friends on major topics. So what is white privilege? What is Black Lives Matter? What does that mean? What does being colorblind mean and how that's not really the answer? And so I've been trying to educate people and kind of use my voice. And it's been interesting. Most, Most of the feedback are people who want to learn and who want to engage and like see what they can do and how they can learn. But I've also had negative experiences with family members specifically today was pretty rough Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, I had people say to me, family members, well, if black people weren't thugs and gangsters, they could be treated better or um, black lives matter with your, an eye roll or Mm -hmm. black people just need to educate themselves and things would be fixed. So it's difficult having that inside of your family. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting time, but I'm definitely just trying to use my platform to get all of this knowledge and also outrage out yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess my next question would be for Tammy and guys, Alex and I are here to facilitate the conversation. Feel free to weigh in and chime in and all of that. Um, Tammy, was this something that was at the forefront of your mind or even a thought at all as you were raising your biracial daughters? Was what specifically? Um, the I know the Black Lives Matter movement is relatively new, but were you aware that you might have privileges that they might or was that not even something you thought about as you went about you know y'all's life? Well, I, I have to say one, one thing that Brianna said to me, and it was over a controversial uh, issue that happened like five years ago. And I remember her saying to me, and I can't remember exactly what we were saying, but we were diving into what happened. We had our opinions and everything. And I remember Brianna saying to me, and it was with nothing but love. She said, well, mom, and it was something that I didn't see. And she said, well, mom, that's because of your white privilege. And I remember being the first time I ever heard that. Yeah. My initial reaction was defense, but I was confused because it's coming from my daughter, which I know was from a place of love. Right. And it honestly took me a while to really allow that to digest and really to understand. And I do feel lucky, privileged that I am a mother of two biracial girls because I get to see both sides. Yeah. I get to feel I'm in a unique situation where I get to, you know how you feel your children's pain? Well, my children's, I feel my children's pain and they happen to be half black. But yeah. being white myself, there was so much I didn't understand. Yeah. And it, it really was, you know, something that happened over a long period of time, you know, until I got the clarity of just how much ignorance that I have in me. Is it fair, I guess I can, and guys, feel free to weigh in. Is it fair to call it ignorance? Well, I wrote down, I wrote down, and I can't remember where, I don't have it right in front of me right now. Literally, the definition of ignorance is not having the proper information on something. I can't remember the exact, can anybody look up the definition of ignorance? I think to the Audra's point, you know, that's, and I say this a lot that, you know, there's times when I meet white people and I'm their only black friend. I'm the only person that they've been around that's a black person. And so I think if they're not educated about that, or if, you know, if you've never been around black people or like someone in your family's never been around a lot of black people, um, you know, there is that ignorance, right? 
And I think we've spoke on that before, Crystal. I know we've debated about it. If it's ignorance or the lack of, or just not wanting to understand or not seeking the information, but you know, even going back to college, I know that was the first time that I learned a lot about my own history outside of me learning from my parents and reading books, you know? Yeah. I think that that's actually going to run deep. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, that's a great point and something I was just about to touch on. Um, Tammy, I loved everything you said. And as someone who may one day be the mother to biracial children, it's really, I mean, I'm black and my husband's white, but still, um, it's really interesting to hear and something to keep in mind. And in terms of history, Alex, I think that, you know, for a large segment of the population, it's easy to understand why they would be ignorant on issues of race relations if you just look at how history is taught to children in the United States. Exactly. exactly. History about communities of color is, they're, it's very segmented. Like for African Americans, we were kidnapped, we were brought here, there was slavery, there was a civil well, war, there was civil rights. No, we're not. No, we're excusing that. Right? <laughs> yeah. okay. the There's stuff, Rosa Parks. You know? Exactly. We have to and watch Amistad with our parents and Ruthie right. with exactly. our parents. And yeah. I, so that's what, that's what people see. They're like, oh, the civil rights movement happened and now everything's fine. And yeah. same thing for other communities of color, you know, uh, in history books. They don't get their full story told at all. Right. Um, the central arc of U.S. history, the way it is written and presented to children, is white American history. So unless you're around people of color from these communities who can tell you this is the truth, this is what happened, this is how we got here, this was our experience, and this is our experience today, people are understandably going to be ignorant about some things yeah. unless they are actively taking the time to go out and educate themselves on topics that are very vast and <laughs> could be a lot to get your arms around. Um, there's really no bad place to start. And to be truly honest, the work is never even done, even for Black people. Alex, as you were saying, you were still learning stuff about our history when you All went to college. Time. Likewise. Um, still, so yeah, I just think day. to this day, <laughs> to this very day. Like to but, this day. And I um, will say this too, and just to chime in a little bit, it's easy for people to distance themselves especially like, and I'll just speak, cause this isn't my opinion slash I don't live, I live in Albuquerque is a big city. Like I don't, that I've, this is not my experience, but I will say this, the arguments that I have with people, it'll be a guy from Wyoming who has five people in his town and they're all white. So yeah, we read it in the history books, but in his head, that has nothing to do with him. So he's not gonna educate himself not that that's right because i disagree and i'm glad that all of this is happening because at least it gives people who have never been confronted with it a chance to say maybe like hey maybe i should look inward and have i mm -hmm. ever had thoughts of you know some i think you know, i've said some racist things maybe i've thought you know so it's hard because it's like i yeah of course that guy can distance himself he's Mm -hmm. lives in a town with 10 people in the middle of Wyoming, you and know, no black people. Are I also, Wyoming. I think that part of um, when part of the defensiveness is also having to acknowledge that maybe you have been part of the problem. And I think people don't want to look at that sometimes, whether it's like you're saying ignorance or not. I taught um, a class with a white woman in college in 2000 and I think 11, 2011, 2012 for Upward Bound. And we had a bunch of high school students and we taught us basically, you know, about civil rights. Um, we talked about the different waves of feminism and all that. And the woman that I was teaching with, she's like, well, are we teaching racism by teaching about this division? And, and you know, there was so much hesitation to teach a, a more truthful history and then these kids who were like I guess 16 and 17 I had you know they were writing um like in their journal and they were saying we had no idea and there were you know young white women specifically or the girls who were saying I'm ashamed like I'm ashamed to be white and I'm like no this is that's not what we're aiming for um but it just was kind of shocking that you know they didn't know any of this and those students then are probably participating now in what's going on. But maybe had they not taken this course for Upward Bound, um, they may not have ever known any of this. But, I, but again, I think that defensiveness is also like, like um, 
you know, having to acknowledge that you may be a part of the problem and you have to change. So how I was do we actually, help this? Sorry. Okay, go ahead. You go. Yeah. Uh, well, I was sharing with Crystal last week that um, I, I had a moment of feeling ashamed because I'm Asian American, I'm a minority, and I feel like I'm pretty, like a pretty big advocate of like diversity, inclusion, and everything else. But it wasn't until I sat down with Coco's like kindergarten teacher, Coco's my daughter, that I had, I felt ashamed that I wasn't educated to hear her actually talk about it and and she was really raw and honest. Like I've never really had a conversation like that with you know any of my black friends or just, I mean, I grew up in LA, so it was super diverse, but it was very segregated. And in a way, you know, like we kind of just, and, and so I, I was telling Crystal that um, it was last week that I, I felt ashamed. And so I've, I've been down this like, you know, road of like trying to, to listen and learn because I don't know as much as I thought I did. And it, it just like, Charity and Alex mentioned, it's just, I only know what I know from, from school and history books, but to actually listen to her was just like a very emotional moment for me and, and wanting to educate myself so that I can educate my kids who are biracial. Um, so, so I think it's hard when you, you grow up and you're around it, but you know, you unless you actually have those conversations that sometimes are uncomfortable, you, can't, you don't really, you can't really understand. So how can we bring more allies, if you will, into the conversation whose heart is in the right place, who has an open heart, open mind, and want to learn, um, and help them get over the guilt part, right? I, I've, in, our, in my conversations with Kiana, she's mentioned several times, like, I feel guilty, I feel guilty. Um, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so as we're growing up in school, we don't feel guilty as a fifth grader that we haven't learned algebra yet, right? Like it, as, as human beings and as, you know, intelligent, educated women will always be always evolving, always learning and seeking more. So um, Tammy, I'll toss this one to you. How do we bring in white women, Asian women, Latinas, um, non-Black women um, and people into this conversation and help them feel that it's safe here, it's okay, and you can shed that, that burden of guilt. Well, you mentioned in that question, how do we finish talking to the people that are willing to listen? I believe that there are two types of ignorance. There are the people that can say, that never occurred to me, that never, that didn't dawn on me. And then you have the people that are just simply unwilling to listen. Mm -hmm. So I think if we're addressing the people that really are willing to listen and they're in, they're in a place where because of where they live and because of their experience, there are things that didn't dawn on them. I really think it's important to finish the conversation because I think what happens is the conversation happens and people get uncomfortable and it kind of stops. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe to not, I don't mean to say waste your energy, but maybe not to spend as much time with the people that are unwilling to listen, but really spend more energy and focus on the people that are willing to listen and to finish the conversation, not is just stop. Is this a conversation that can ever be finished? I honestly well, don't go if, ahead. until you get an aha. Got it. Moment. Okay. You know, an aha, like, oh, oh. Got because it. it's that, oh, that didn't dawn on me. And that's the disconnect where you get the where you get the honest ignorance, where people really are ignorant because they just don't know what they don't know. Right. So finish the conversation, you know, with I'm not the person to have it, but Bran is because that she is more skilled in that way, having a conversation that, you know, can be a harder conversation. I'm just not good at it, you yeah. know, where she is much better at it. Yeah. Um, and to just try to have the conversation go on and see if you can get that. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's a that those are really good points, Tammy. I think you hit on a lot of things. Um, just to offer a few different perspectives as well. Um, I think that when it comes to guilt, 
Um, guilt in some situations can be a good thing. Not that we want people carrying around guilt forever, but I feel like if a white person is starting to feel guilty, it's a sign they're on the right path. It means they're like, it's starting to click. <laughs> so we don't want them to sit with that guilt for the rest of their lives. Um, but you can, you know, be like, you don't need to feel guilty. I'm glad that you're understanding, you know, the hundreds of years of history that has led to this point. And I understand why that may make you feel some guilt, but you don't need to feel guilty. So I think that if someone is expressing guilt, definitely try and relieve them of that feeling. Um, but I think it's also a really good sign that this person, it's starting, they're starting to have that aha moment. They're saying, oh, oh, this is really terrible. And I, I feel guilty. Um, I also think when it comes to conversations, like the conversations happening right now around George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and defunding the police, those aren't necessarily conversations that need to be necessarily opened up to members of the community that are not impacted. Um, I think those are great opportunities for people um, to just listen if they are not historically part of that impacted community. Because um, there's a lot of learning and understanding that can come from just listening to the voices of those that have been impacted, uh, whose parents have been impacted, their grandparents, you know, generations of impact. Um, I think that conversation is definitely a useful tool, but I think listening is the most useful tool of all when it comes to understanding um, and gaining information about areas that we just don't know about. Um, and I think that if somebody is listening into the conversation and they hear something that they're not familiar about, or somebody mentions a name or some sort of you know thesis um, that is completely new to them, uh, I just really encourage them to see, hey, where can I where can I get some more information on that? You know, head over to Good Sir Google and see if there's a book a book that can inform you, or turn to you know somebody who you're really close to, like Crystal or you know anybody that you have who you feel comfortable enough to be a little bit more vulnerable with to say, hey, I've been listening and now I have X, Y, Z questions. Um, but I think another thing to keep in mind right now is um, I think, I won't speak for every black person in America, but every black person in America that I know right now is walking a very thin line on their <laughs> mental health. <laughs> it's very fine, it's very fine. Um, and I think that Luckily, none of my friends have done this to me, but I think if somebody was going to come to me right now, even from a place of pure gold with a completely pure heart to want to learn and say, hey, what can I do to learn about this? I would flip off of the line and just have a breakdown because um, what a privilege it is to learn about this and not have to live it. Um, so yeah, I would just encourage people to look to online resources um, and, you know, Tammy, you were really knowledgeable about all of this. So I feel like, you know, if you have friends who are like, oh, can I, can I, you tell, ask Brianna, like what I can read totally up to Brianna if she's comfortable doing that, I'm just using you guys as an example. But uh, you may be like, listen, she's not in a good place right now. Do you see what's going on in the world? But I can tell you what I've used to learn. Um, so that was just my, just my thoughts. And what I would say um, coming from my perspective is that I think that it's, I, I think that more like, I personally don't feel like it's right at this moment in time, kind of jumping off of what Charity was saying. Um, I don't think it's black people's responsibility to educate white people on this information. I, I get if you're ignorant and you wanna learn, but there are so many tools, especially now in social media, everybody's posting tools to go find and figure things out. And maybe have different conversations, but at this moment, I don't think, think it's any, I don't necessarily think that it's black people's job to help a white person understand. I think that we as white people need to understand that that, that ship sailed a long time ago. It's time to be responsible. And also, I personally think that the education coming from high school and in college needs to be more proactive about teaching um, black history. I just personally don't think, like high school, I didn't learn anything about black history at all. And also coming from New Mexico, it's just a different type of history that we learn, um, just generally speaking. But I will say that in college, I had a lot of great courses that really intrigued. I was like, this is, I don't know 
this information and I want to learn more about it. So a lot of things that I researched later on was because of my college classes, just like tipping me off to, Hey, this is interesting. I, I have been looking at this completely wrong. And why have I been looking at it wrong? What have I, why has this been what I've learned? And I feel cheated that I didn't learn something about American history, which is what we are in. And, and it was frustrating to me. So I did my own research. So now I feel like I have a responsibility. Like if people have questions, I want to be the one to step in and be like, these are the resources. This is where you should go. This is if, and not that I have any, I just, maybe it'll tip somebody off to do their own research, to figure, you know, to look into different documentaries, different books. A lot of people are posting a lot of great information on learning. And I don't necessarily think right now is the time to have to ask like black people what, how to help them. You know what I mean? So that's my two cents. Sorry, that was long. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Um, AD. Oh. I was um, saying, I know you oh, want to yeah. in, Nick, in the oh, chat. Oh, no, I don't know if I do. I, I think everyone said really great things. I, I don't know. I have a really different experience because um, I, my, my dad, my parents were very, like, they participated in civil rights movements. Um, my dad was, in, like, he went to Stanford. And he, was, he was older. They're no longer around, but um, he he would be like almost 70 now. So I have the unique, uh, well, what I guess I'm realizing is unique um, experience of, of my parents, like kind of telling me what, what the world was um, and where, where these inequalities is, are and racial oppression and all that. But also, you know, I grew up having a lot of black friends. So this was in, and experiencing when my friends came over to the house, you know, we were always getting the police called on us. Um, and also I was a Rasa person in a white neighborhood mostly. So, you know, I, this is something I just kind of grew up always learning about. And, um, and then once I hit college, you know, I, I, I sought it out, but, um, so it's just been important to me pretty much my whole life, but bringing, um, I guess, I don't know how to say this, but um, bringing black people over to my house or, um, you know, my, I'm, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but you know, my parents thought I was going through like a phase, I guess. And I didn't know, I didn't have the words to articulate that that was a racist thing. Um, even though they did teach me about everything, it was still ingrained and it was just, it took a long time to kind of um, not, I don't know, like for people to stop pointing out the fact that I had black friends um, and I would have to have really uncomfortable conversations pretty much since high school into in till today. Um, and like having to call out people on their racism. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess that's, I feel like it's, in the Hispanic or Latino community, um, it's like really heavy ingrained. And I feel like as a woman, uh, I feel like the women are more open and receptive to, uh, I guess, acknowledging where, the, where that, acknowledging it, acknowledging that ingrained racism and, and we just have to have those uncomfortable conversations. I do um, think that women are, um, I'm a huge feminist. Um, I do think that women are going to be, obviously everyone's laughing because everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> I, I do believe, I actually just wrote a piece, um, I can't remember what we called it, but essentially a woke nation starts with a woke mama, right? So it is us that it, women are the ones bearing the next generation. We're the main ones rearing them. Men have an important role, but um, as a mother, I'm realizing that um, it's all about mommy um, most of the time. So it's really going to me be my outlook on the world, um, my morals, my character, my faith that I instill in my daughter. And that's going to most likely, um, stereotypically, carry more weight than what my husband will try to instill in her in regards to those things. And so I think 
um, speaking directly to women, I think we need to recognize the power white women have in our society. Um, you can bring a man or shoot a man down by saying. What can help you take advantage of today's low mortgage rates and save money? Rocket can. You could save hundreds of dollars every month by refinancing with Rocket Mortgage at today's near historic low rates. If your current rate is over 4%, with today's low rates, you could lower your payment by over $150 a month, saving thousands in interest every year. With a cash-out refinance from Rocket Mortgage, you could consolidate and pay off high-interest debt, tackle home improvements that could add value to your home, or even set aside cash for your child's future education. We've already helped over 1 million clients just like you reach their home financing goals this year alone. So remember this, what can give you the technology to refinance easily and save money? Rocket can. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. That's 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Savings are based on quick loans, internal data, points and fees may apply. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing letter, license in all 50 states, and analysts consumer access number 330. He's threatening me in New York Central Park, and he's just watching birds. Um, or you can go home and train your white children that that's the wrong thing to do. Um, and I think white women and white female allies need to recognize the power that they have to start changing this narrative a lot faster. Um, because when black women get out there and we've been traditionally and historically on the front lines of just about every type of civil rights movement, um, it's not until we start partnering with white females that we really start seeing a shift in the conversation because they hold so much power in white homes. And I would, I'd like to chime in there because I know we're, we're talking about allies a lot. And I know Audra touched on it a little bit about not feeling like black people should have to teach you guys, but what do you guys think? And I'll open this to whoever wants to jump in. What do you guys think is the role of an ally? Cause I know there's like a lot of mixed emotions within the black community. Me and my husband go back and forth about this all day. Um, me and Crystal have talked about this, but you know, it's just, I want to know what you guys individually think is like your role, you know, as a yeah. non-black person. Well, I'm a black person. So yes. I, <laughs> and as a black person, I'm a black person. Okay. Tell me your perspective. Cause me and Crystal talk about this, but we haven't. I know we haven't. And actually, I don't think I've talked, I've talked to Crystal about this. Um, we've talked about different things, but I don't think we've necessarily talked about the role of allies. Um, yeah. I think that allies, the way I see them is the first line of defense. Um, I feel like you've seen a lot of pictures coming out of protests lately of literally white women putting their bodies in front of black protesters um, and just seeing a completely reaction from the cops. That's the most extreme version of what I mean by <laughs> they're the first line of defense. Um, but I think, you know, whether it's online, whether it's around your dinner table, whether it's around, you know, when the holidays are coming up, you know that you have somebody in your family who doesn't act right, who doesn't think right. Um, and that's your role as an ally. Your role is to equip yourself so you have the knowledge that you need so that if somebody is saying a comment that is racist, homophobic, any of the ists, um, you are equipped to stand up and say, that's not right did you know xyz and you know what they may start yelling at you and you may not get anywhere but that's your role as an ally and you don't have to sit there and get berated over and over and over again but you do have to say something because you don't know who else is listening who may say oh i thought that too but now i kind of see what you're saying like that was really messed up of me um that's the role that i see of an ally and i also see allies um as when they enter into spaces of communities of color as being the listeners and also is kind of being um, kind of like the messengers saying, this is what's going on in the, in like the white community. Um, this is what's landing. This is what people are still kind of struggling with. Um, and then getting back out there and doing the work uh, on the ground. So yeah, from my perspective and allies, first line of defense. I definitely agree with that. I think it's super important for white people in their circles of other white people to talk about this, to bring it up, to educate each other, um, and to, when you hear something, to say something. I think it's so easy 
for us to hear something offensive and say, oh no, like I don't have the information or I don't want to offend that person. But through all of this, I've kind of gone over the fear of offending people. And I think we all really need to because in our circles, we all need to be able to address racism and injustices um, and especially for white people in their circles, whether that's your friends, your family, your coworkers, whatever it is. Um, I think it's really important that allies speak up. Can I go? <laughs> you go. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, so, you know, being an ally, so I have uh, my, my sister, like I mentioned before, is a huge ally and she is very vocal about it. She'll post like 10 things a day and I remember calling her and asking her questions because, you know, I'm, I am, like I said, I'm trying to learn and understand myself. Um, and she basically yelled at me and told me that, you know, it's not, um, it's my job to educate myself. Um, but as an ally for me, I think it's like, you know, we, we've talked about like it's a marathon and it's not a sprint and I'm slowly trying to learn and I, and I you know, want to have the endurance for it. And so I have tried to um, really try to educate myself without, you know, calling like Crystal or anybody else or, you know, Coco's teacher and, and people that I know, and like Natasha, just friends that I have to ask them questions. Um, and I, I've donated, I've also subscribed to Conscious Kid so that I can, I think it starts within the home because as an Asian American, I grew up and, you know, now I'm thinking back to my childhood and within my own home, you know, it was always like, not that, and I don't want to say that it's because I feel my parents are racist, but it was always like, you stick to your own kind, you, you know, you stay with, with, with your group of friends, people that they're comfortable with too. And, and so, um, I'm trying, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say without it sounding, you know, like talk about my parents where it, 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 they were racist, but I think that there was just, there was a lack of education there. And so it didn't start in our home. Like they didn't, you know, teach us at home. Um, so I want to do that. Like as an ally, that's where I want to start is within my home and teach my kids, educate myself first before I can truly educate my kids and educate others. But, um, but yes, so that's, I hope that made sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Audra, you wanted to hop in. Yeah, I didn't want to cut AD off again. <laughs> I was like, is that for me or her? And I didn't. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, no. Sorry. Um, yeah, I've seen you first. Um, so I, uh, my perspective, I also feel like, well, it's interesting because I'm single and I live alone. <laughs> so like my home is me. <laughs> so like, I don't really get to have the, some of the same experiences that y'all have because, um, yeah, I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. I don't have a boyfriend. Um, I live alone with a bunny, but I, um, I will say that I've had a lot of great conversations with people recently. Um, one of my best friends, him and I, he's, uh, Hispanic. He's from Mexico. Um, but grew up in Albuquerque and, um, his perspective was very interesting and I didn't want to like demonize him immediately because I disagreed with him on certain things. And then I was like, let me just hear your perspective. And then let me give you my, like my experience or my perspective. And I almost, I felt like we had like a little bit of a breakthrough. Um, not that he, it's not that he had any other, I mean, we agreed on certain things as well, but I think that I feel like for an ally, you have to come at the conversation in my personal opinion. If I come at it where I'm angry, um, I feel like certain people will shut off and I don't get to say the message that I want to say. So like, I think part of also being an ally is understanding that people have different perspectives than you and not being so quick to get frustrated because my first instinct is like anger. I'm like, that's BS. I disagree with you completely. And I want, like, I don't know how you see it this way. Sometimes I'll let people say what they want to say when it comes to like other white 
friends and I, then I'll say, okay, but here's, well, let me challenge your thinking for a second. And like, let me show you a different perspective that maybe you've never even thought of. And then at times at that point, if you can't get through, sometimes I feel like I've, there's not a lot, you know, if someone doesn't want to change who they are or, or change their thought process, I, I don't, I sometimes don't know what to do at that point because I'm like, you can't, I can't force you to look at things deeper or to see that maybe your perspective is wrong other than point out facts that I know. So it's interesting for me because I feel like I teeter a line of like, I don't want to push people away by saying like, your opinion is BS. But at the same time, I also don't want to come off as light or like, that I'm making light of it or I'm not being serious about like my perspective about things. So, so let me chime in there. Um, when you say you don't want to push them away, um, because I've had some of these conversations, um, with my friends, um, my husband is biracial. Um, and so we had to have a conversation where I said, you know, you might look African-American, but you are not right? You don't have the historical context of living here. You don't have that generational trauma um, that you're raised in. And so I have flat out started just cutting people off with the, I believe all lives matter. And why do you have to burn the stores down? Like he wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened if he wasn't resisting arrest. I'm just like Sherry said, my, my line is very thin for BS these days. Right. Um, so at what point or is there a point when it is your responsibility as an ally to say, I tried, you're ignorant, we're done. Do you think that's necessary? Um, does it depend on who the person is? What is, what is your opinion on that? And sorry, AD, I know you're wanting to go. And so I'll try to make this brief because I know I can go long on, on things. Um, Here's the, here's the dilemma for me. And let me just say it this way. If it's a random person, I'll say my opinion, but it's easy for me to cut them off and be like, I think you're ignorant and I can't get through to you. Bye. See ya. If it's my best friend, like that is where I think the hard part comes in. Do I want to say, I don't want to have, you've been there for me for the past 10 years and you've been my best friend and I want nothing to do with you anymore. It's like, that's where to me, well, yeah, that's where to me, I have issues where like, when is, and, and how do I communicate things? And I think that's why I try to take a soft approach because I'm like, I don't want my friend to be like, oh, I'm not listening to another word Audra says about this. I want her to listen to me, but I also, and I, I want her to hear me and I want her to change her mind. And I don't want to do it in a way that she feels like I automatically put her in a different category because I know that she's a good, kind person, but at the same time, she doesn't see things like I see it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the struggle is for me personally. Like yeah. other people, I could be like, yeah, bye, see ya, never. But for like someone who's very dear to my heart, I'm like, this is where the, the conversations get hard and mm -hmm. you end up making, you know, eventually end up making choices. So I don't know. Tammy, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, sorry, AD. No, I, I really don't, um, I don't have anything specific to say, um, and I don't, I'm a pretty hardcore person, I guess, sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm emotional, I can be aggressive, <laughs> I'm sure Alex can probably, uh, which is why I invited her, so I want to speak your truth, I don't know, it, this is also interesting to hear everybody, um, I cut people off pretty quickly, um, but I did, okay, I have a best friend who recently, over the years, I've had to, you know, she'll might make a, a comment, like, about, like, hair, a hair texture, and, and I've been like, okay, that's racist, you know, and it, and it, and it's, uh, she sort of takes offense to it, but we move forward, but recently, you know, she was like, I, she couldn't understand, and this is actually before um, George Floyd and also Ahmad. Um, obviously, the list is so massive, but um, she was just like, I don't know why there's so much coverage 
black people dying for black reason, people but it's like cops it was it was weird it like she heard a, a speech i guess or she heard uh the mayor lori lori lighthouse talking about um the death uh how blacks were being dispro you know disproportionately dying from covid um and she just was like i don't understand why there's so much coverage on this but and you know proceeded to speak about hispanics or latinos and just went on this whole kind of other rant and i my immediate reaction was to get like really pissed and i just had to start from the facts i'm like chicago has a very large black population um how you know however they're disproportionately dying from be, you know, being affected by this disease here are the facts and slowly i just kind of started sending her stuff um like through instagram instagram's kind of social media is sort of a godsend for this kind of stuff um, but I just kind of kept sending it a little bit over time until, you know, she just had a, she had a change of heart. Um, and I had to, you know, sharing those really horrible videos, not with black people, but with, you know, kind of, I don't know, I, I guess it's like the shock factor. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's like, it took that. It took her to see these disgusting videos to change her mind. Um, but you know, if she had continued to dispute me, I would have cut her off. I, I just can't do it. Same with family members. Um, I would have to do it. And I don't know if that's the right thing, but um, I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Amy, your thoughts? Tammy, did you want to try? Oh, um, <laughs> oh <God>. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, sorry. Okay, um, well, first of all, I think that we shouldn't underestimate um, the power of planting seeds. I think that we need to really think about what we wanna say and, and that's the hardest part is to not speak with emotion, in emotion always. Some, sometimes to take that step back and get our thoughts together. I had to do that tonight. Brianna mentioned something, you know, that was very difficult to hear and go through with something that was said, things that are said by more than one family member was very difficult to hear. Um, and being intentional about taking that time to get our thoughts together so we can think clearly, this is such an emotional and sensitive topic. So I think taking that time, number one, number two, not not underestimating the power of planting a seed with somebody and also the the lastly is is identifying who you're dealing with are you are you talking to somebody that really doesn't get it and wants to understand because it didn't occur to them or are you dealing with somebody that are kind of closed-minded and and not willing to listen and if that's who you're dealing with that's when the conversation should stop so, I don't know if I answered the question exactly. That's a good idea, though. I mean, the planting the seed thing is, like, super important. I think you do have a point there. <laughs> you know, you know there is, I'm sorry, but, the, you know, there's a lot of, and then I'm, con I'm thinking about this, and I'm learning, and I'm digesting a lot of these things, too, and figuring it out as I go. Also, you know, with Brianna mentioned something about the oppressor, um, the oppressed, teaching the oppressor, that's a very difficult position mm -hmm. to be in. But I think the one that does that is the one that is given that gift. And we don't all have it, but we do all have to do something. We do all have to do something. And, and what that is depends on our own personal gifts. But we all have mm -hmm. to do something. Yeah, that, that's a great a great point, Tammy, about everyone doing something. I feel like if you know that you're someone who is shy or, you know, is really uncomfortable with public speaking or just having conversations with relatives that you've had to grow up giving respect to and somebody who still intimidates you, um, I think you can find your own way to make sure your voice is heard. Um, one important way is to vote. <laughs> make sure you're voting and do not wait until 
national elections, you know, make sure that you are voting in every single local election. Because the local election, the local school board, those are the people that decide what history books your kids are learning from. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people that decide what schools, you know, are going to get some kind of shady under the <laughs> under the door uh, extra funding and what schools are going to go um, underfunded, which are mostly schools for students of color. Um, and I know that everyone always says vote. And I think that it's also, a, you know, please do it. I think you also need to make sure that you are encouraging candidates of color to actually get into the race because by the time we get to the ballot box it's too late (laughs) you know we have to pick um who's there and the people there may not necessarily be the absolute best but they're who ran um i would never in a million years run for public office i've worked in politics for years i know what goes into it i'm very happy being behind the scenes um but you know if there's someone that you see who is interested or just kind of thinking about it especially women, because we discount ourselves so much um, and understandably are wary of putting ourselves into a situation where you can be picked to pieces by public opinion. Please encourage them. Please support them. You know, if you can, go door knocking for them. Tell your friends and family about them. Um, Just help make sure that we're getting more colors, uh, candidates of color onto the ballot um, and vote. Vote for every single open position. Why has Black Lives Matter, and you know, we can end on this question, why has Black Lives Matter turned into political warfare? I mean, if, um, if, if white women were being gunned down by Black police, it's not political, it's the right thing to do, and this nation would quickly get their stuff together to prevent that from happening. So why is it when people of color are being killed in the street, that it has to be, you have to pick an aisle or, or you have to, you know, why do you think of all the things going on, we've got coronavirus, our, we are officially in a recession, um, of all the things that we've got going on, why is something so morally clear, you have to stop killing unarmed black people for no reason, why has it become politicized? Yeah, that's a complex question. I could literally take two hours answering that for you. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't even have all the answers. Um, I think that just from my own professional experience, I currently work for an elected official who is a Democrat. Um, and I have worked for unions in the past. A lot of conversations around the Black Lives Matter movement and defunding the police um, center around the power of police unions. So just understanding what goes into their collective bargaining agreements and how we got where we are today. But just to start from the very beginning is um, Mm. the institution of police officers and cops that was created to police black bodies in poor people, like period. Um, That is their history. That's what they were created to do. Um, So yeah, the fact they've been getting away with killing black people since the very first day they started. Um, It's never been a problem because nobody's cared Um, or people have cared, but they haven't been able to get the momentum that they need to actually force change. Um, I think that Trump is a horrible human being. That wasn't where I was going with that, but I can just start with that. Trump is a horrible human being and with him, he has seen like an uptick um, in the progressivism movement, um, which is a form of progressive politics. Um, it's always been there. It's always been like the undercurrent, the underbelly of the Democrat, Democratic Party. Um, but they are, the progressives are organizing and they are taking, you know, every horrible opportunity like this that they can to push for changes at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level. Um, and I think it's political because there are some people who don't want to see that old uh, mantle of society start to crack um, and start to crumble because that system has worked for non-people of color very, very well for centuries. And they're worried if that falls, what's coming next? Um, that's my um, that's my too long didn't read version of, of why this has become <laughs> so political. <laughs> Hannah, what are your thoughts? 
I I I have so many thoughts too, but I but I think that it's become so political because there are so many people that are ignorant and don't understand and they don't get what's truly happening. And so they're only focusing on um, the other side of it and defending the other side of it. And so, um, and, I, and I've talked to a lot of people that like don't get it at all, you know, and just completely. And some of the comments that they have made and I've had to talk to them about it. I mean, it's just, there are, I mean, like, like Charity said, we have a very ignorant, um, terrible president right now. And a lot of people are listening to him and following his lead. And so it's become political because you have people that just don't understand at all. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, we, so my sister has said that if you're on the fence, you are part of the problem because I, I sit here and I'm trying to understand both sides right? Like me as just like a normal human, just trying to understand just humans in general and understand both sides. Um, and I, I, that's what I see. I, I think it's become political because of that. And we, we do have a terrible leader that, you know, will say ignorant things and these people are listening to him and they are out there believing it. If that, that's my opinion. Allie, wrap this up. What do you think? I had so many things on my brain while y'all were talking and then I went blank. <laughs> so there's that. Sorry. Um, you know, I will say I, the one thing that stood out was stupid president, right? Like, and you know, I think that that's the biggest reason that becomes political, right? Because you have to think about it. if you have the leader of your country spitting rhetoric out that is negative towards one community and then almost encourages another community white supremacist right and like that whole thing they got going on you know that's that's a part of the political makeup at that point so and that just trickles down and so you know i think vote like charity said i i've taken all my little cousins this week to make sure they were vote like registered because it's a whole situation um but you know, Albert raised a good point to me the other day. He was like, how many of your friends have voted ever since they've um, been able to vote? And, you know, I surveyed my friends because that's my first thought. I'm like, my friends vote. Like, I've got to win that argument anyway. So I, I surveyed them. And I find out that I only have like a few friends that have consistently made sure. I mean, they've granted we've only been around for like two of the biggest polls, but like they haven't really been voting. And so in those little, those things within, you know, your city, you know, within your state matter. So I just think, you know, that's why it's political. We got idiot at top, trickling to the bottom. We got to fix this. I'm optimistic. I went to the March on Sunday and then, you know, a lot of marches before that. And it's just feeling like something is going to happen like things are going to change and I'm optimistic. And, you know, again, I could probably go on and on and on about this topic, but I, I'll be done. And yeah, thanks again for all you guys hopping on and sharing yeah. your opinions. This was awesome. And I know when we first talked about having the conversation, we were like, yo, is it going to be weird to do it? But this is like, this is what it, it is to be an ally, mm -hmm. you know? This is what it is. Can, I, can yeah, I just say one thing? I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> on your question about being political, I agree with, um, I'm so sorry if I forgot your name, the first speaker. Charity. We would basically, we would have to deconstruct everything that we know, every system that's in place. Um, I had a quick conversation with my boyfriend and, you know, we basically talked about from the very basic level, like, well, how can we have to be involved in the PTA? But, you know, black and brown people have never, and this is not about brown people, but I'm just saying, we're working during the hours that PTA meetings go on. Um, you know, there's, there are positions open that are, at, that are just almost not within reach. And it is set up like that. And I also want to encourage people to kind of challenge this two-party system. You know, everyone says Democrats. But if we look at history, the Democrats 
you know, it's like, uh, which way are we, are we going to our death? You know, this way or that way? We, I feel like, um, you know, we should sort of start looking beyond Democrat and Republican. And also I agree with, you know, voting on like the most local level. And I think a lot of that is missed because people, especially black people, um, get displaced and there might not be their community or they're not, you know what I mean? There's just so, there's everything about the system. And, and that's like way too much for us to really like be able to say here's the exact thing <laughs> so yes. i get it Yo. but you know just you know you again, could dig into past. those points like <laughs> so deep and so deep and, like the conversation could just keep going because yeah deconstruct from the top down like it's a whole thing um but we're gonna wrap up ladies yes thanks again for being a part of this sharing your opinions um and yeah well we're done. Thank you. <laughs> this is Ali J. And I'm Crystal Lowe. And that's it for this week. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 12 p.m. Central for another episode of Not Your Token Black Girl. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. And follow me at Basic Allie on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Crystal O. 